Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in the Bay Area, it's time for Bay Area Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Bay Area Business Radio, and this is going to be a fun one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, Leah Davis Coaching, inspiring women of color to claim their wealth legacy. Today on Bay Area Business Radio, we have Dr. Juliana Hines with Juliana Hines and Associates. Welcome, Juliana. Thank you, Lee. Pleasure to be here. Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us about your practice. How are you serving folks? Yeah, so thank you for that. Uh, you know, I really, this really started, it was birthed out of my own early career experiences. When I went into the workforce, I was a lot younger, female, Black, a new college graduate. And I worked with a lot of um, older white men, made tons more money than I did. And there was just a mismatch between leadership, them, and those being led like me. And so I got to a point that I really just consciously thought there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way for me to develop as this young, ambitious person, you know, person and professional. And there's got to be a better way for them to lead as leaders and particularly someone um, that's a person of color, female, just different from them. And so I started my business, Juliana Hines and Associates, to address that challenge. And I work with business execs of all the way throughout the organization. If you consider yourself a leader, I work with you. And on more interpersonal skills, such as influence and communication and showing up as an executive. Now, when you were starting out in your career and you had this thought, hey, this is uh, this is happening to me. I think it's probably impacting other people and I'm going to solve this kind of complex problem. Sure. What were the, some of the baby steps you took from that kind of epiphany hey, there's a problem here, to now where you are today, launching this, you know, kind of global leadership program yeah. that you have. So obviously yeah. that was a journey and it didn't happen overnight, but what were some of the steps you took so others can learn from that journey? Absolutely. So the when, from the time that I had the revelation, I was in grad school and I was getting my degree in clinical psychology, a master's degree. And from these experiences, I, sh I shifted my uh, focus to organizational psychology. And I often joke that those that needed the therapy weren't going to see therapists, they were still in the organization. So that's where I wanted to be. Uh, and so I got a little bit more uh, education and experience under my belt. And then when I started my business, I was working full-time at another company by then. I had just gotten remarried and had a baby and I was in my PhD program. So that seemed to be the ideal time, if you will, to start my business because I was juggling a lot. And uh, starting my business would have been uh, advantageous and was advantageous for my family so I could be home when I needed to be. And so that's those were the beginnings. The steps I took and I'm actually walking my 16 year old daughter through this now. She's starting her business. And I first decided I had to legitimize my business. So get a fictitious business name, get a license, 
and do all the things that were required of me by the state and county to be an official business. I got the website and business cards and all of that good stuff. But I would say the biggest thing that I did and I recommend whether someone's starting a business or growing their career or you know, just want to do more with their life is building relationships and networking. And I did a lot of that, just calling people, being introduced to people, having lots of lunches, and I like to eat, so that was fun, or coffees, and uh, just sitting down and talking with people about their perspectives, their companies, what are their challenges. And the more I did that, the more that informed the work I'm doing now. Now, a lot of people believe that their network is their net worth. And it sounds like you're a believer of that as well. Any tips for the young people out there who may feel like they don't have a way to reciprocate and that it isn't peer-to-peer, that they're looking for help and they don't have much to offer this person that has is more seasoned than them. Do you have any advice for them on how to kind of, you know, kind of improve their network? Absolutely. So a couple things. First, uh, I definitely get you want to give back in some way. And it doesn't have to be necessarily quid pro quo in that they have you have as much experience as the person you're talking with. You might be able to share some things with them that they don't know. You know being a younger person, they might you might be able to help them figure out something uh, like you know technology or social media. You might come across an article that you just share with that person and let them know, hey, from our conversation or just thinking about you. Here's an article I thought you would find helpful. And then in terms of expanding the network, I really am a believer of talking with the people that are in your closest circle and finding out who they know because they have their own networks and asking for a warm introduction to another person. And even if that's a little bit scary, then practice on some of the other people. Think about what what are you going to say? What questions do you have? And what do you really want the result of the meeting to be? Oftentimes, uh, especially if someone's in job search, they're thinking, okay, I have to get a job. But that's not really the intent of sitting down with someone. They might not have a job for you, or they might not have something for your business if you're a business owner. But just having that relationship expands your ideas and also opens doors to meet other people. Now, I've found uh, that I, from talking with a lot of different people, that kind of getting involved in associations and groups around your business or whatever you're doing, and then volunteering, taking leadership roles, that really kind of can change the way people see you. And it's something that young people, I don't know if they um, really appreciate how much value that that provides, not only to the association, but in how it elevates them and their position in the minds of the right. leaders that are also members of that group. Absolutely. And that visibility is so important because then people get to see you in action, so to speak, uh, without any pressure, without uh, them having to be concerned about, well, is this person trying to sell to me? They just see you doing your thing. Now, um, you decided to write the book Leading on Purpose, The Black Woman's Guide to Shattering the Glass Ceiling. 
Yeah. Was this something that came about because, you know, you've just been gathering all this information and you're maybe frustrated at the speed of which uh, change happens and then you just wanted to share everything uh, you've kind of learned thus far in this book and get to, get it to as many people as possible? Yeah, exactly. So uh, the book was birthed out of the outcome or results of my uh, doctoral dissertation. I studied successful Black female leaders and learned some of the strategies that they use, the challenges that they faced. And it was just such a gift for me to sit down and have the conversations. I wanted to afford anyone and everyone the opportunity to uh, have the experience uh, that I did. And so the book was the best way to do that. And um, yeah, it really is for those who are starting out in their career. Uh, how, do, how do you want to think about building your career? But also for those that are already more seasoned in their career, there's some great nuggets and reminders for them as well. Now, do you find that some folks kind of don't approach their career strategically, that they kind of are just floating around and then somebody, yeah. someone offers them a job and then they start doing that and then they are, get frustrated and they look for another job and they leap over there and then they get frustrated because they're yeah. not really kind of um, lead, you know, kind of living on purpose. They're kind of just kind exactly. of. Exactly. That's what, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. And that was me. I, I thought I was going to be a therapist until I had this experience and I took a, what was called a visionary leadership class in one of my grad school classes. And it really opened my eyes to having a vision, having a strategy, being intentional. And in that class, I had the opportunity to do my first vision board and really dream and think about what do I want my life to look like and what do I want it to be? And it was amazing. I mean, it, I, there's this thing called the reticular activating system and all of this stuff gets stored there, uh, even though we don't remember, but um, having that vision really put me in on track to where I am today. At the time I did my vision, I was, I was in a graduate program, not my PhD. So I hadn't had that, but that was on my vision board. Uh, I wasn't in a house. I'm in the house I bought now. And that was on my vision board. I wasn't married at the time. I'm remarried kids. So everything that I wanted my life to be just by putting it on paper and putting it in front of me really made a difference and helped me to really help me to realize that being intentional, deliberate, living your life, leading on purpose uh, can really be not only advantageous for us as individuals, but our communities, our organizations, the businesses that we want to bring about. Now, do you find that, um, I don't know if this is just um, black women, women, just the human beings just as a whole, that a typical person doesn't aim high enough, that yeah. they're, they're just kind of almost selling themselves short that there can be so much more but for whatever reason they don't want to dream big enough and that does yeah. I would imagine that that exercise of the vision board really almost forces you to dream bigger it gives you permission to dream bigger when I was about a week or so ago I was working with my daughter on hers and she wants to go into the beauty industry and I said who would be your ideal client if you were to work with anybody that you could? And she named Rihanna. And I thought that is such a big 
vision and that is so great. And my daughter was like, well, I'll probably never work with her. You never know. Just by you putting it out there and by you having that idea of who you want to work with, it's going to draw you down that road. So yeah, I encourage people to dream big and, and don't censor their their dreams or their vision. There'll be plenty of time to do that. But, you know, just to start, just think, dream, idealize, whatever it is you need to do to, to dream as big as possible. Now, do you think that the reason a lot of people don't dream bigger is that maybe when they were younger, that people kind of squash some of those dreams early oh, yeah. and then yeah. just kind of, they just, people got, kind of learned that, Hey, that's silly. That's impossible. Yeah. And then they yeah. don't, then it's almost like they're cutting them off at their legs. They don't, they stop trying because what's the purpose. Right. Absolutely. So mindset is what you're really speaking to is big for someone. If they're going to go after a dream or a goal, and especially as a business person, because there are going to be a lot of ups and downs as they go through this journey. And so having that North star, if you will, having that confidence in yourself that you can do it regardless of what anyone else is telling you. Uh, when we first started this part of the conversation, I, a quote came to mind by Les, I think it's Les Brown that said, if you shoot for the moon and miss, you'll still land somewhere among the stars. And I thought that was so great because it, it just opens up opportunities that you never know you'll, you'll make if you're not, or get an opportunity to do certain things. If you don't even shoot for that goal that you want. Yeah, that's um, being a parent myself. I know that was something that I was being very mindful about with my child is that I didn't want to be the one to tell him he couldn't do something. I yeah. was always trying to say, why not you? Why not yeah. you? Yeah. Because life is hard enough. And um, the, a parent, I think, shouldn't be the, the dream killer. They should be the one that's enabling as many dreams to come true as possible. I agree. I tell my kids I'm their biggest cheerleader. Right. And they can count on me to be rooting for them. And that, yeah. and that's, and yeah. that gives them the security to kind of be bolder, I think. Yes. Yes. And you're right. And that's part of the intentionality as well is I speak into my children's lives as often as I can, you know, there's the discipline side, but there's also the side that saying you can do it and I believe in you and how can I support you or do I need, what do I need to do to invest in you? And also encouraging them to learn the lessons along the way. I can't do everything for them, but I'm here to definitely uh, be that, that, you know, wind beneath their wings, so to speak. Right. And give them places to kind of fail safely. It's better yes. to fail like in a lot of ways younger where the stakes aren't as high. Right. As opposed to never failing and then all of a sudden something big happens and then you fail and, and then people don't have kind of uh, the resilience to handle it. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. Now, are there any kind of key skills that uh, you'd like to share for women to work on in order to kind of have that escape velocity in their career to make it the way they would like it to be? Yeah, great question. Thank you. So from my dissertation, I really teased out and found a few themes uh, from talking with these uh, amazing women. 
And there were really three pillars that supported their advancement. The first was professional savvy. And that's where you find all the interpersonal skills, influence, executive presence, communication, all those things. So how do you know what to develop? I always encourage uh, leaders to do an assessment, ask for feedback, do a 360, whatever they need to uh, get the information from others about how they're showing up, how what are their strengths, and then also what are their development opportunities. And that's where a lot of professionals stop and often get frustrated because they're doing all these things and still not getting the opportunities. So the second pillar is around support and accountability and finding the mentors, the sponsors, the coaches, uh, friends, family, colleagues, whomever, to provide that support to you that you can talk to, uh, you know, uh, brainstorm with, ask questions of. And then with that, the accountability piece that you're sharing something with someone like that dream we were talking about. Once you share it with someone, it kind of puts a little bit more pressure on you to accomplish it. So you have that person being really encouraging and saying, hey, what's going on with this or how can I support you? And so that's the second pillar. And then the last pillar, a lot of professionals don't think about as well, which is a strategy. So putting a plan in place, one that's measurable, one that's actionable, one that is going to keep you motivated to advance to those those levels, wherever you want to go in your career or to build a business. So I always speak about those three pillars when I share with leaders really what is their success strategy around advancement or starting a business. Now, can you share a little bit about who that ideal client is for you? Is it that kind of high achieving woman that is kind of rocketing up the corporate ladder? Is it the person that's frustrated or plateaued and, and doesn't know what's happened and seeing other people be promoted around them? Or is it the organization that says, you know what, we have to uh, invest in our people and then uh, put a program in place to help them be the best them they can be? Yeah, so all of the above is who I work with. My ideal client is that first one, the high achieving uh, woman, black woman who really just needs a, a, a safe space to share challenges and difficulties, to brainstorm ideas around how to overcome one thing or another. Uh, And typically the organizations bring me in. So they're identifying this person as a high potential uh, to be in the C-suite. And this person needs a little bit more development in a certain area. So they'll call me in to work with the executive women and help them shore up some of the skills that they will need to be more successful. Now, are you finding at the corporate level that um, having a coach or investing in their people in terms of coaching is something that's more accepted and and is kind of moving farther down the food chain, uh, if you will, when it comes to more and more people having access to this kind of a a service because it seems like uh, there's a lot more accept accepting of coaching nowadays than maybe there were, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, 
firmly believe in coaching. I was first a trainer. Well, I was in HR and then I became a trainer and training's great and, and sharing new concepts or perspectives or ideas with a group of people is an amazing uh, opportunity. What I found though, is that someone will go to training, they'll learn all this good stuff, they'll leave and all they're all excited about it. And then they'll go to, back to their uh, you know, group or team or company that hasn't taken the training and they get indoctrinated again back into that culture. If, you know, if the culture doesn't change, it's really hard to uh, bring different mindsets or a new attitude back. So coaching really ingrains those lessons. So I could teach communication in a class to 10 people uh, in, in a year or even six months. Those 10 people, the, it'll probably be very little they re- retained. But if I coach someone on communication for six months and I go back to them another six months, typically they now in, uh, incorporated those behaviors. I fully think coaching should be offered at every level. I, uh, I really do see an opportunity for organizations to offer it further down the pipeline because then they'll see more a more robust, stronger pipeline of leaders, people that are ready to take on those roles because they've already prepared for them earlier in their careers. And I would, uh, I would also believe that, that you're going to change the culture of the company. If you believe in your people that much, you're investing that much in them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it's, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, it's a great way to uh, show your key talent that you believe in them. That investment really goes a long way for, uh, I've talked to leaders and, and they are so excited to get a coach and, they don't want to let the company down. They don't want to let their manager down because they understand the investment that's going into it. Well, Juliana, congratulations on all the success. Uh, you're doing important work and we appreciate you. If somebody wants to learn more about uh, your book, about uh, maybe uh, getting on your calendar to have more substantive conversation, is there a website they can go to? Yes. So my web address is the same as my name julianaheinz.com. And I have a a gift on the website for anyone who is interested. It's leading on purpose, uh, tools for getting unstuck, focused and in action. So it's for those that do feel like they're plateaued and they're trying to figure out what's next. It's a great ebook for them. And my contact information and uh, calendars on my website, as well as the books that I uh, have produced already. And that's J-U-L-I-A-N-N-A-H-Y-N-E-S.com. Juliana Hines, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thank you for your time and for having me. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you next time on Bay Area Business Radio.